This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Uh, Today we're kind of picking up where we left off last week about on mission, what it means to be on mission as a church family and for Jesus. Today we're talking about all together for Jesus. And last week, I started with a passionate plea for boater safety. If you were here for that, I, I, I got on the yachts. I felt bad about it, uh, but it was a strong offering. So I say thank you uh, for the yachters that listened. Uh, but I completely forgot about fireworks safety. And maybe you saw this 30-second viral video. It had like 40 million views in 24 hours But I saw it and immediately thought, well, first of all, it reminded me, and it's evidence for why women live longer than men, but it's why men need women, okay, to stay alive. And this video is a perfect example of that. Check it out. If you have photosensory issues, close your eyes, your ears. Look at the baby there in that little, on the, the, hey, all right. Someone needs to go to California and help them learn. We need to send someone from the Ozarks to the other state. Because I just, I see the picture. I just see the, the sun going, Dad, where do we want to put all these fireworks? Set them here under the gas tank, son. That would be a good spot for them. I mean, come on. So, but this is why we need each other. And today we're, we're talking about one of the purposes of the church One of the purposes of your life, and that is ministry, serving others' needs in love, Uh, serving as Jesus would have us to serve. And when we go to Acts chapter 2, we sang about it already today, uh, and I love that song. The gospel is in it from start to finish, and the church of Christ was born. And in Acts 2, we read about the first century church. All the believers were together, so all were together and had everything in common. I think it's the thing that gets me most excited about the church is when the body of Christ is functioning together and healthy and ministry is going out. Needs are met within the church. There's not an unmet need. Needs are met in the community. And it's because we're all doing our part. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And this idea of being all together and serving others is what we're talking about today. A purpose of the church, but also a purpose for your life. Do you have a life-giving friend? Let me start there. Do you have someone who every time you're around them, it, it just it fills you up because the conversation is always, so what's going on in your life? How are things with you? Uh, anything I can do to help you? That type of person, that, that type of person is life-giving because it's not all about them. We have the drainers, or what we call at this church, extra grace-required people, who when we get around them, what are they? They're always, it, the story's always about them. You can get two sentences into one of your stories and they hijack it to finish it with one of theirs. And see, believers who fulfill the purpose we're talking about today, ministry and serving others like Jesus, they're life-giving. 
in everything. They're life-giving in their marriage. Can you imagine being married to a person that gets up in the morning, feet hit the floor, and they're like, honey, I woke up so excited. What can I do for you today? There's God. Can you give me a list? Give me a, li- give me a bunch of stuff to do. I want to serve you in the family. Could you imagine a teenager in here right now? Feet hit the floor, runs in and goes, oh, blessed mother. I know you have a lot to do today. What? I got to go to work. I got to leave. I got to be at the marina or I got to be at Tanger. I got to work. But before I go, is there anything I can do around the house here? You'd be like, I, I want that kid. Where's that kid, Ted? I, bring that kid into our home. In the family, in the church, in the community, in the workplace. We're talking today about ministry and how serving others is life-giving. And we know this. The church, we're called the body of Christ. And we thrive when we all do our part. Paul says to the church at Corinth, just as a body, I love the word picture here, though one has many parts, And you have a part to play. I have a part to play. And we're healthiest when all the parts are functioning together. But all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. My wife last month sprained her ankle. And it was one of the most severe sprains I've ever seen. So we took her to urgent care to make sure it wasn't broken. It wasn't broken. I'm like, whew. But I mean, swollen, purple ankle. But I've never seen a sprain this bad. Her whole foot became purple. Her toes were purple. I'm looking at it. I go, did you sprain your toes? She said, no. It's just that's what Travis explained it to me, all the, everything attached to everything. It's all fully purple. And I was in there when the you know, doctor gave instructions and all that. And, and we got in the car, and the very first thing I did, I looked at Amy, and I said, well, let's make a list of the chores you'll still be able to do. <laughs> I mean, I know there's some things she can't do with a sprained ankle, but no, I didn't do that. You know, I didn't do that. Of course, I didn't do that. But if you know my wife, my wife is far more into fitness than I am. And you're like, no. Yeah. She does a walk in the morning and a walk at night. She walks me and the dogs every night at sunset, but she does a walk by herself in the morning. And I knew when we got out in that car that that was going to be the thing, the number one thing on her list, just the, I'm going to be so unhealthy as this thing heals because of this stupid ankle. I knew, I could tell, I could sense the edge to her, the attitude to her because she wouldn't be able to walk. And I said, I can help you get good at not exercising. If you, if you will walk alongside me and let me serve you in this way, we can get through the next six weeks together. Five days later, she had had it, right, because she was home, and she couldn't walk. I mean, it was bad. She had the boot and everything, but it was, and my wife is not a complainer. She's not a whiner. So we, I had this idea. We're driving down Shepherd of the Hills, and I stopped at the pharmacy, and, and I said, do you have one of those scooters that you can kneel on? And he goes, got one in yesterday. They're pretty, pretty pricey. Uh, <laughs> But I got it. And it was great. And Amy said, thanks. So she did that morning. And, and you know, I got to find out why Taney County. We're not using asphalt anymore. Everything's chip and seal. I'm going to work on that. I may be running for something in Taney County here pretty soon. Uh, but so she's trying to scoot on gravel roads. That's what chip and seal is. It's gravel roads. We have a senior adult neighbor that sees. Now, we're only in our late 40s. But Amy's 
scooting on this thing up the road. And this senior lady stops and looks at Amy and goes, good for you getting out here. And I said, and this is where it begins, Amy. She did it for two days and she gets up and she goes, enough. You know what my ankle needs? This is what she says. You know what my ankle needs? My ankle needs a good workout. And I went, well, I don't want to remind you what the doctor said, but that's the opposite of what the doctor said. He said, stay off it, elevate and ice. He repeated that like four times. He didn't say, get out there, work it out, sit on this couch with me right now, Amy, and rest that foot. I will rest with you. And she goes, no. And she gets out there and she starts work. And I, I just told her, I said, this is so inspiring for me because I know we're not going to go at a fast pace. Uh, we're going to do more of the leisurely walk. But I said, good for you, Amy, as our senior adult neighbor said, good for you even limping along saying, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to let the rest of my body be slowed down, even though this goes completely against doctor's advice. I said, could you imagine what the church would look like if every part, the parts that thought they were old and done, said, I may be limping, but I ain't going to slow this church down. I'm going to get out there and do my best. I may be tired. I may be exhausted. I've served Ted for decades in the church but you know what? I'm still going to, I'm not going to keep this body from moving forward. And today we want to talk to the parts that are serving. We want to talk to the parts that are not serving. And we want to invite you to go on mission with us and be all together for Jesus. As the body moves forward. And again, I I hear this a lot from people and we always want to say this to make sure you know this at our church. Many people come to this church exhausted from another ministry. Like they got burned out. Burnout is very real. We understand that. And we invite you to take that rest. Actually, before you start serving at this church, we ask you to take a six-month period of time. And that's not about just, you know, red tape or before you become a member. What, that six months is very intentional. It allows you to rest. It allows you to learn about this church body it allows you to understand our DNA and why we do things the way we do it. You're, you're learning and growing during that season. But what we don't want for you is to get to a point where you're like, you know what, I, I'm done. We want you to keep moving forward. Ministry, as we learn it today, is more than a program or a project. We have a lot of programs around here that you can serve in, and we want you to. That's why we say it's more than I didn't say ministry is not a, it's more than. But then there are some that are just looking for a project. And off of this message, they'll find a staff member and they'll say, hey, can you get me and my small group a project to serve someone? We want you to see beyond just finding someone to get you a project once a year so you can say you serve and develop this heart, this attitude in the body of Christ, of serving others. It's the overflow of your life. Ministry is here in buildings, and it's taking place right now. There are those who are serving, meeting the needs of our children and our students, pouring into them. We have people that are driving our students down to Florida right now for camp. People are serving others. Okay, so it does take place in buildings, but it's outside of the building too. It's the attitude you have when you get up in the morning and you look to your spouse It's the attitude you have when you look to your children and when you look to your parents, you look to your aging parents. What can I do to meet needs? You go a couple chapters into Acts, you get a little bit more description of this giving heart, this serving heart that the, the first church had. 
and, and the outcome of when they truly do serve. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 4, 32 through 35. All the believers, here it is, were one, functioning as one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, apostles, the apostles continue to testify. So when we are all together for Jesus, this is a testimony. People see it. People observe it. They want to know what is going on. Heard three or four times today from people at our church who've invited others to our church. And these people are like, no, I have no use for the church. Let me tell you, you have use for a church that's functioning as one body and is healthy and serving, as we talked about last week, feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, and welcoming the stranger. They continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then look, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. And that's the prayer of this church, that there'd be no needy among us. That through our giving and our serving, we're meeting needs in love. For from time to time, those who own land and condos sold them. (laughs) And they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, two chapters from this, you get to Acts 6. And there's a distribution chain issue. Right? Widows were being overlooked in the distribution of the daily food. This is brought to the apostles. Now we see the importance of the role of deacons take shape. The apostles, we have the ministry of prayer and the word. We can't neglect that. But their heart should be the heart of the entire body of Christ was we can't let the widows be overlooked. Those needs need to be met. And a great story and illustration for us. It's not about who is meeting your needs at this church. It's about the fact that this church is meeting your needs. Sometimes people get caught up in that. They want this person or that person. No, the, the goal here is that your needs are met. And we want the all-togetherness of this church, all together for Jesus, to be a powerful testimony of the resurrection of Jesus in our lives. So today what we want to do, in the time that we have left, we're going to do four gut checks. I love doing gut checks. I do gut checks as a parent and as a spouse all the time. Just little questions I like to ask myself. I've already done these. But we're going to look at four gut checks for those who serve. These are attitudes. This is between you and the Lord this morning. It's, it's things, I don't think any of these four you would say out loud. You would never say it out loud. But it's that inner voice. It's that thing that kicks in when we're not getting our way. We don't have the position that we want. I think the first one that we want to check is this. I want a prominent position. I want something important. And you need to know this about ministry at Woodland Hills Family Church. We said it last week. Every member is a minister, and we believe that every ministry is important. We don't have, this is a 10 ministry, this is a 1 ministry. Whether it's about a 2 or a 3, this is a 7 or 8. No, all ministry is important. Why? Because we are one. And you have a part to play, I have a part to play, and when all the parts come together, we are functioning as the body of Christ testifying to the resurrection of Jesus. In Matthew 20, this story alleviates this cut check pretty quick if we have this, what I'm doing is not important enough. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asked a favor of Jesus. What is it you want, he asked. I love that. I love the straightforward directness. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. So we're talking about the position on either side of Jesus. 
And Jesus says, you don't know what you were asking. I know you're talking position, but let me tell you what happens with those who are closest to me. If you keep reading, so we've looked at Acts 2, Acts 4, alluded to Acts 6, but you keep reading after that. Those closest to Jesus suffered the greatest. Still a lesson for us today. Those who follow Jesus closely will suffer. I was talking to a pastor friend this week, not Alex Amaya, before you all go, hey, he's talking to Alex. No, it wasn't Alex, but another guy. And I reminded him of something Alex and I talked about two weeks ago. God has always grown the church on the backs of suffering leaders, on the backs of suffering servants. So I, I don't fully understand all of the, if I can just, all the whining out of the pandemic, but I don't even know if that's the level of suffering Jesus is going to talk about here. The persecution that Jesus is going to talk about here. And just to remind that God is still growing the church, not just through the book of Acts, but to this day, 2,000 years later, God is still growing the church on the backs of suffering servants. He's using you and he's using me. So he asks the question, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup we are going to drink? Look how long this answer is. We can. Jesus said to them, you're right. You will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. Because closely following me is imprisonment, suffering, persecution, death. But, but the position to sit at my right or left, not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the others heard about this, when the other disciples hear about this, they were indignant. What's that? That's the other word. It's the, the word we see when Jesus, when the disciples try to keep the children from coming to Jesus. It says what? Jesus became indignant. That's why we don't like the pictures of Jesus sitting on a rock holding children you know, no, it, the pictures need to be Jesus holding the children with the disciples over there going. That's better understanding of that. Jesus was indignant with the disciples for keeping the children for coming to him. These now disciples are ticked. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're more skilled than we are to be a leader? Do you think you're more uh, loved by Jesus? Do you think what, what's going Indignant with these two brothers. Jesus then called them together in this great lesson and says... You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. This is a conversation taking place in churches all across the country today, in denominations all across the country today, because sometimes church leaders lord it over people like the rulers of the Gentiles do. They they get to a position of authority, and then everything about being in that position is maintaining power. We see it in our government all the time. Once I get a role, I I, I started out as a servant, but once I have this prominent position of authority, I got to keep it and keep it at all costs. That's not how we function as followers of Jesus. It's not about getting to a place and then protecting that place. To be a follower of Jesus means we are descending into greatness. We are becoming humble servants, not prominent positions to where we can lord it over to feed ourselves and care for ourselves and and gorge ourselves he says that's that's how they do it their high officials exercise authority over them and what we see today what we're called to as followers of jesus serving actually leverages if you're a follower of jesus you're serving leverages your influence your resources and your gifts for the benefit of others not yourself It's the difference. That's why Jesus says in verse 26, not so with you. You're not like the rulers of the Gentile. You don't lord authority over people. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then he says, I'm the example of this. I'm the model of this. Follow my lead on this, guys. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if you want to follow me and you want to serve me, serve others. Serve others to the point of losing your own life. It's not about an important position or a prominent position or getting to a position to where you have to then protect it so you can continue to amass influence and resources. No, it's about taking any influence or resources you receive and using it to bless and to benefit others. Andy Stanley talks about this often. He says, and it's true of every single person here, you're going to find yourself at work this week in a little meeting with two or three people. It's just an off, maybe it's just at the lunchroom and you're going to find you're the most powerful voice in that room. Maybe you have the most authority in that group of two to three. Leverage that authority to the benefit of those in the room, not to your own. If you're a leader and you have the authority on the job, leverage that authority to bless and serve other people. The second gut check we do today is this. It's all about me. It's all about me and bringing glory to me. And Peter walks through this clearly in 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. So you've been equipped and empowered by God to serve. Not for your glory, but for his is what he's going to say. You've received a gift to serve others. And as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, use it. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. He equips, he empowers. He's called you to do something. And I just want to remind you, there's always going to be someone who wants you to be someone you're not. There's always going to be someone who's smarter, brighter, faster, stronger than you in an area. And I just want to encourage you, be who God created you to be. Do what he's gifted you to do and don't be distracted by demanding, manipulative, controlling people. Know your lane and stay in it. And then when others come alongside you and they run past you in another lane, cheer them on. I've been sharing this with you because it's one of the things that came out of the pandemic that I'm so grateful for is the friendships that have developed among pastors in this town. I woke up this morning to a text from a pastor in Branson. I'm not going to tell you who it is and stop trying to guess. But this was my, this is, he was encouraging me. And we encourage each other like this all the time. It was two lines, but it so blessed me. This is what he said. Hey, bro, don't stink at preaching today. That was it. That was the lines. Overwhelmed. I can't tell you what I texted him back. It was worse. Uh, but we were all pretty sarcastic with that. And anyway, I'm like, that, that's exactly what it means to be all together for Jesus. All one, cheering each other on, knowing who we are and who we're not. And stop being trapped in this. And because when you find out who you're created to be and the good works you're created to do in Christ Jesus, do it with everything you got and don't quit because someone's trying to sidetrack you. But don't do this for your glory. It's not about you, it's about Him. That in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. When you're done serving someone, I hope at the end of it, people are giving glory to God are thanking their Father in heaven for you and for your service. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I, I, do we have any Cardinals fans in the room? Let me just see the hands real quick of Cardinals fans. Okay, I want you to pipe down on this illustration for just a second. 
But I want to show you this great, I love this story of David Robertson, relief pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. Don't tune me out because I'm using a Cubs picture. But he's a relief pitcher. And look, doesn't he look cool just standing there? Like, I mean, he's got it going on. He's in the major leagues 14 years. And never once did he step into the batter's box. He's a pitcher, not a hitter. But he wanted to try hitting. And so Coach Ross and David Robertson devised a plan. They're going to figure out a time to do it. And they found the perfect time. David had played 695 games with no swing of the bat. And on the 696th game, the Cubs are winning. Top of the ninth, two outs, 14 to 1. And some of you are going, who are the Cubs beating 14 to 1? It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> and you can get a front row seat at the Pirates for about $12 uh, if you want to go to a Pirates game. But I just want you to see this because it's a great illustration for us and what we're talking about today because he steps into the batter's box with a smile on his face. I don't want to give too much away, but he strikes out with every... Sorry, look at it. It's like, that's terrible. You're a horrible introducer of video clips. Uh, he strikes out. But what makes it better, the whole thing better, is the Pirates put their second baseman on the mound. Two outs. And this guy lobs 40-mile-an-hour softballs into him. And I'm watching the video going, I think I would have got a hit. <laughs> but his smile grows with each, each strike. Uh, ch- check it out, and then we'll talk about it. This is the first career plate appearance for David Robertson. He has never been at the plate in a major league game, and I believe among active pitchers, he is second with most games played without ever hitting. And so this is a big deal for Robbie. I, like, I've talked to him about this a handful of times. And a swing and a miss. David Robertson, including tonight, has appeared in 696 games. So 695 games without a plate appearance. And big smile on his face. This is what he wanted, though. He did. He so desperately wanted to get his chance. And that one a little bit high. I'm here for this. Doesn't chase. That's a good eye. <laughs> so now three and two. And anything clear, you're never getting another one. No, you're that's not right. Another chance. You got to swing. Throw him a strike. Come on, Robbie. I'm glad you got a chance to do it. He so wanted. The opportunity. He just said I wasn't not swinging. That's what he just mouthed. There's there's so many so many Good night for the lessons we can learn from that. But the thing that strikes me about that clip is the joy on his face striking out. And the Cubs, you saw they're all off the bench cheering this guy on. And I'm sitting there going, This is a team who understands he's not a hitter. There's no expectations, but the, the, you know why he can have so much joy doing that? There is zero pride in that moment. 
It's not like he stepped... I mean, would he want a home run? Would that be a story for the ages? Yes. But there was no pride. And when we serve, right, sometimes we get outside of our giftings. We have to. I mean, I, there's going to be things you're called to do here in serving others that it doesn't fit your you know, giftedness or your passion or your experience or what God's wired in you. And that's okay. We all have to do things we, we don't want to do or feel called to do sometimes. And we're going to strike out so long as we always have joy in doing it. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about bringing glory to him. And that's what Jesus gives in this next gut check. There are those who might say, I've done my part and I'm done. I've served long enough. I'm old. Let some young people step in and do this. How about this? No, you older person stay serving and walk alongside a younger person who needs to serve. Jesus has strong words for the one who says, huh, I've done enough. It's time for me to kick back, recline at the table and enjoy a little time. Here's what he says. Luke 17, 7 through 10. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Jesus said, no. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told? Verse 10. So you also, every single one of us who follow Jesus... When you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. You know what Jesus is teaching here? He's teaching against entitlement and spiritual pride that sets in often when we serve. And that should not be. May your example today, first and foremost, be Jesus. But may you go and serve today. As you figure out what you're called to do. We have spiritual gifts assessments you can take at our church and encourage you. I'll have them include that in the notes online when they post this week but find out what you're supposed to do and and when it doesn't go just right for you that's okay smile like david right put the smile on the last one as we wrap this up this one i need to be noticed and appreciated you know over 20 years at woodland hills family church people have left this church hurt or mad because they didn't get enough of this and they didn't get the pat on the back and And Matthew 6 is very clear about our service and about our giving. Be careful not to practice your righteousness, Jesus said, in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And something we said to our kids for years. This is maybe not the best parenting line. Uh, I hope it worked and I hope it sticks. But we said this often to our children. We love spoiling you so long as you never act spoiled. We're going to treat you to this. But the moment you cop attitude, the moment you act like it's owed you, we turn the faucet off. We're going to take care of you. We're going to have fun as a family. But as soon as that pride and entitlement creeps in, and we say the same thing here. I could have come up with a better conclusion probably, but let's just leave it with this. We love appreciating you for all you do for the kingdom. So long as you never expect it. And you want all glory to go to your Father in heaven and all God's people said. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Woodland Hills Family Church and this body of believers that we would be all together on mission for Jesus. That we would serve others, putting their needs in front of us and taking the opportunity to be generous and to care, to feed others 
the hungry, care for the sick, welcome the stranger. And when we do this together, all doing our parts, what a testimony it is to the resurrection of Jesus. I pray for the one who's never placed faith in Jesus that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would come forward and meet with a member of the prayer team, as Travis encouraged earlier, and give their lives to Jesus. We pray all of this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, Amen. Amen.